I might have to reset yeah. my camera and everything over here, my toys in that direction. Hey, before you no, hopped I'll... on, Kevin, Andrew and I were talking about the four tendencies. Have you ever read that book? And or which one are you? Okay, so I have it here because I had to look up something that we were talking oh, about. Oh, great. Tell me yes. which I am. Quiz time. Well, well, I don't know. So, okay, here's the four t- different tendencies. Right, Upholder, obliger, rebel, or questioner. So, I mean, at face value, I would assume I'm a questioner because that's what I, that's you what have I to as a marketer because everyone's lying to you all the time. The sales rep, you know, right. Google Analytics is just like, yeah. you have to be a little suspicious. So here's what a questioner means, though. You resist outer expectations, but you oh, meet no. inner expectations. So like I'm the super- reverse of that. Okay, so then you are okay. So then you are. I'm like, please like me. Please like me. I want to give you all the leads you ever need. You're an obliger. But I feel like you you don't have problems going against the grain as far as like you don't you won't do things because like oh that person will be happier with me if I choose. Then he's an obliger because he meets outer expectations, but he resists inner expectations. Meaning he doesn't mind offending people if it's the truth. If it's like the maybe that's almost rebel like. Hey, we should not be paying for this type of thing, even though that would offend X, Y, Z offend might be, might not be the right word. Well, okay. Let's flash back in the time machine. Yeah, I'm thinking about one product in particular, uh, not the name. Kevin um, Oakley until he was about 26, 27 years old mm-hmm. would have never spoke truth to power ever, right. ever, ever. Right. Complete like, yes, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Pleaser, to like total, mm-hmm. that total like yeah, right. me too. Um, then my boss at the time at Heartland kind of kicked that out of me because he was like extremely frank and to the point. And I worked more with him than anyone else really at the organization. So I think that influenced me. And then now they tell us the outcome they want and they assume that we're going to give them tactics and strategies that they agree with. Right. And oftentimes it's not shockingly so to people who come to work with us at times they don't always listen and so i think maybe it's Mm -hmm. part age part i don't experience but it's like i i know what you want and if you're telling me you want this end result Mm -hmm. then my job is to just speak as plainly as possible about what the issues likely are that are causing you not to hit that goal and so I think I'm probably just manipulating or lying to myself to say like manipulating, not lying. It's like, oh, it's okay, Kevin, like, like give them the right hook because they need it. It's going to be good for mm-hmm. them. Right. But that's definitely not my natural tendency. Well, I think, I think yeah. I, I'm, I can relate to that. Cause I think most of my life I was a pleaser, like just wanted to do cared so much about what other people thought and just wanted to do everything for other people and please everybody. But I think definitely experiencing this position as a coach and working for Deconvert, it's it's a different, you know, we're not being paid to like exactly, you know, tell you everything that you want to hear. We're going to tell you what's the best way or the right way or what we've experienced and things like that. And so that kind of changes maybe how your natural tendency are. But anyway, people listening, this is an interesting quiz to take. It also for leadership helps you kind of understand what who who the your coworkers are like and how to manage them too. Like if they're a rebel or an upholder or an obliger, 
or a questioner. So I work with a bunch of questioners. Jesse's a questioner. Mike's a questioner. Amanda is a upholder. <laughs> so <laughs> and you probably need all all of those personality types to make yeah. it work most optimally. Mm-hmm. If everyone's a questioner, then I would assume nothing gets done yeah. potentially. Like it's just everyone going like you just want to know this. the why behind everything. Yeah. You, need... you know, like I'll yeah, do you it know, if the, you explain it. The interesting thing about questioners in our industry, yeah, maybe a guy. I just need to read the book, and we're almost done with the cold open, everyone. <laughs> But the um, <laughs> questioners in our industry tend to question in favor of the status quo, mm. which that drives me nuts. Like I think mm-hmm. our, and I'm not going into the whole, like no one innovates, no one. I mean, there's all kinds of people trying all kinds of things, but collectively as a whole, the industry is more immobile than mobile and less open to thinking about things differently which is kind of surprising because I think most of the people who are tagged questioners in other industries tend to be almost that rebel kind of questioner versus like, I don't know. That's, that's just my perception. Mm-hmm. might be yeah. wrong. I need to read the book or the, what's the two or three page PDF that we could, that we can get. Yeah. The cliff notes. Yeah. There we go. We need yeah. That. So if so... you Google four tendencies quiz, this is by Gretchen Rubin, by the way. Yes. Is this like an internal exercise? Are we all going to take it anyway? And I'm just ahead of the game if I do this? No, or? like literally, like we just were talking about this like two minutes ago. So this yeah. was not any sort of okay. planned thing. <laughs> it literally is a cold opening. Okay. Awesome. Um, it's true. Yeah. Let's get started. Okay. Let's do it. Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 284. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me today is Andrew, the ad doctor peak and the one and only Jen Barkin. Yay! She is here. is very happy. You're his favorite person to have on the podcast. Every time you're on, I get another text from Sean Carpenter who's like, I love her. She's the greatest. Oh, She's great. Sean Carpenter. She's ours. Do you convert? Yes. She is ours. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Story time. Let's hit it. I feel like now um, our producer's going to have to create like motion, like an animated thing. Because when you watch now, we are, we are live on yeah. YouTube or Watch. You can watch us on YouTube from the comfort of your. I was going to say we're live. Like you can tell no, me. No, we are going to do some live episodes like once a quarter. I think is the plan. We need oh, a okay. little just delay like, just in case of who knows what we're going to say here. Yeah, <laughs> we need a live editor, producer, director, whatever. But now when you be. play sound effects or like when you watch the the video version, there's no um, there's no intro theme music because what are you going to do? Just watch us like stand here while we play the so it just rolls right into the show it's kind of kind of crazy anyway that's true uh yeah jen you want to lead us off oh gosh sure okay guys so um last month i got a new tattoo and let me yeah let me explain what number tattoo is that yeah what number okay so this is my third tattoo okay 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 but i have been thinking about this getting this particular tattoo for six years 
six years ago, I first started wow. thinking about it. I had a, a is that when you started working friend. do you convert? No. Well, no, actually it was, bef- it was right after I started working here. Cause I've been here six okay. and a half years. So I started thinking about this. I got an artist friend to draw it and I've been contemplating it, contemplating it, contemplating it. Okay. Fast forward to February when my dog Tito passed away. That was the changing moment in my life where I said, okay, it's now time to get this tattoo because it was a tattoo of him. So what did I do? I went on, I didn't know where to go. So I went online. I started researching. I looked at websites. I was looking for pretty pictures of tattoos Mm -hmm. to figure out who was the best type of artist to get. And when I finally found one that looked great, I reached out, sent an inquiry in, quick response, hit me up on my DMs. Do you have a picture of what you want? Yes, here it is. Okay, great. Come in for a quick 15-minute consultation so I can ask you some questions and go over what you really want in person. Great. Go do that. Lovely experience. She was prepared for me. In fact, the the thing that stood out to me the most was she set the expectation of what my tattoo experience was going to be like. She was like, it's going to take three and a half hours. You need to drink water, bring a snack, um, wear this certain type of clothing um, so that you're the most comfortable. This is the room we're going to be in. Um, and here's, you know, kind of how you're going to plan your day. Do you have any questions? No, great. This is awesome. Fast forward to when I go in, Mm -hmm. she greeted me. She was ready. Look, I have, she said my dog's name. I have Tito drawn out, ready to go. Let's sit down. Do you have your snack? Do you have your drink? You know, and it was an amazing experience. 25 years ago, when I got my first tattoo, that was not the experience. Um, there was no websites for tattoo artists. Basically I had to drive like 20 miles out in the middle of nowhere to find a tattoo place. I walked in and some scary looking tattoo artist was in there. I was like, what do you want? Oh, you want a sunflower? Okay. Let's put it right here. You know, it was like a, no, I wasn't prepared. I, there was no, it was not a great experience. Right. And so as I was thinking about this, I was like, man, this is kind of like, looking for a new home and like the experience of an online sales specialist and how important they are in this process. Because, you know, 25 years ago, when you're looking for a new home, what did you do? You went out, you drove around, you had a realtor maybe helping you with, with uh, cards, uh, listing cards. And I mean, you know, (laughs) it was just like a whole different experience. And, you know, I was thinking about when, you know, and this was six years I was thinking about this tattoo and this was a tattoo. (laughs) not a new home, but it took me that long. And it wasn't until there was some trigger in my life that happened. So, you know, when you think about buying a new home, you look and look and look, and then something changes in your life that causes you to make that move. And I was nervous. I had a lot of questions. Same with our home buyers right now. And so as online sales specialists, the most important thing that they can do is set those expectations really clearly to make the customer feel super comfortable. And, you know, going through and and asking those questions and saying, okay, this is what's going to happen next. This is how long your appointment's going to be. This is what's going to happen when you come out and visit with us at our model home. And, you know, taking those notes and setting up that 
appointment for the, like, so that the salesperson is so ready, just like my tattoo artist, you know, Hey, I've got Tito all drawn up and ready for you, Jen. Whereas our salespeople could be like, Hey, you know, Andrew's told me all about you and what you're looking for. Let's go tour the Magnolia plan that, you know, I know that you're interested in or whatever. And so, you know, it's just, it's just so, it's so interesting when we think about like the, the impact that online sales can make and how they can be totally invested in the sale, like setting up that appointment for the very best interactions possible. So I just, I felt someone roll their eyes when you said though, talk about what to expect when they visit the model home, someone somewhere just rolled their eyes and like, really? really? Like, who does it? because it seems so basic. Like, why would we need oh. to tell someone what's going to happen? No, no. People need that people. Listen, I think we take for granted because we're in the industry. We know what happens out there. We know what the process is. We know all those things. But the average person, if you've never built a new home and the majority of people have it, the majority of people have gone through a used home purchase. So if you've never done this before, you have no idea what to expect. And it can be super intimidating. And so I think we take that for granted a lot. And we have to take some time and really set those expectations because their expectations are set from whatever headlines or stories that are more than likely negative, to be honest, right? If they're seeing home builder, this home builder, that market's doing this market's doing that. They already have this negativity associated with it potentially, even though they want to proceed Mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. So I think just setting that certainty, that's a Kevin word there. Jeez, that keeps popping up all the time. Certainty. Yeah. Like if you give some certainty, it's the comfort, the stress, you're just like, Oh, I, I mean, I, I just think the this. word this expectation, like anything that you're, you're setting clear expectations on, whether it's with the people you work with, whether it's, you know, with your teammates, your employees, your leadership, customers, your on-site, whatever, setting clear expectations reduces any uncertainty really in, in anything. Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Am I doing a good job? Am I, did I set the right expectation? I mean, well, think about what. I mean, I haven't heard this word used as much in our business, but there was this period of time where people definitely referenced model homes as our retail store or like home builders are in the retail business to a degree. Mm -hmm. What other retail experience is like going to a model home? Really? There's not one. Exactly. And so I think to, uh, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. And I, and a couple of months ago, I shared that I had a friend who asked like, we're going to go visit a model home this weekend. What's going to happen when we go there? And I was like, what do you mean? What's going to happen? <laughs> there'll be someone there to answer questions mm-hmm. to show you around to help you, you know, decide what's important to you. But it, it, it really does make sense that there is no other retail experience. Not even car shopping right. is comparable to no. what we do. And just, yeah. you know, going back to my tattoo analogy, it's like, you know, walking in, if I had just walked in off the street, okay, to the the tattoo place, and I had said, hey, I'm here, I want to get a tattoo, here's a picture of what I want. I wouldn't have been prepared. I hadn't had lunch, I wouldn't have been prepared for three and a half hour tattoo, I I would have had maybe had the wrong outfit on. (laughs) I mean, you know what I'm saying? And so that's the benefit and the beauty of having these appropriately qualified appointments that are set up for success. And, you know, we talk a lot about 
you know, preparing for appointments versus chasing the appointment. This is one way that online sales can really set our, our salespeople up for the best success possible is if they're really preparing them for these appointments that are coming out and then they can, you know, get their sales self ready to create that magical right. experience that, that they need on that end. So. Yeah. Good reminder. Yep. Awesome. Andrew, yeah. how about you? Yeah. I have a fun catch one. I just got an email from, can I say the name? Open door. Got an email from open door a little bit ago. I put my grandmother's home in this is like two years ago when we're like, Oh, she's getting older. She has steps to go in. She cannot get into her home without going up steps. She's 86. Um, she's fine, but she's had two knee replacements. We're like, it's just a matter of time before something bad happens, right? She falls. So she should probably get a smaller home. It's 2,200 feet. She's one person by herself. Like she doesn't need this. So I put her home in open door. It needs some work, um, et cetera. So we got the first offer when at the highest at the peak. So I just thought it was interesting. I'm going to bring up, I got the email today. I'm like, oh no, it's going to be, it's going to be low. Like, right. It's going to be super low. I was actually impressed. It's going up month to month since the beginning of this year. So it's gone 510, 5.30, and this month, 5.50. I'm like, what in the world is happening? But it is resale, our zip code, that size home, the area. Like, it's definitely a more in-demand area. And there's no listings available, obviously. We kind of know that. No supply. It keeps going up, up, and up. And it's only 6% less than the the Zestimate. Now, I have no idea what the home would actually sell for with rates at where they're at. And the home, you know, it needs needs some attention. But it still is a great location, great community, great home and all that. But I'm like, oh, Open Door still, they still got me to click Well, and what they would tell you is, I mean, if you try to sell yourself, you're going to pay 6% probably in realtor fees. So there you go. You got the same spot. So it was just interesting. I think, you know, we haven't really talked about um, iBuying and forever. At least it feels like that. It's it's coming back. Uh, I did see a chart that showed... um, I think the I think as the number of homes open doors purchasing is is going back up, um, which it. again is just clue of like well they're not doing that if they're not seeing um, pricing going Return. in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But I wish I would have put my home in there <clears throat> just to track it, not to we have no interest in selling our home. We'd have nowhere to go to. Well, here here's but, my take on that email, Andrew. This is for yeah. every every person listening. They got me. They're like, you have a new offer from Open Door. What is the chance that in, as long as it's your grandmother's home, you said? Mm-hmm. Grandmother, yep, like a mile. So up as the road. long as your grandmother lives there, what's the chance that you unsubscribe from that email? Zero. And they send me maybe two emails per month that I notice. They could be sending me more, but I definitely see your new offer for mm. the address is yeah. ready now. Click it. Ten seconds later, it pretends like it's doing something, and then it tells me what what, it, what the offer is. What is what's so fascinating to me about that is it's not a coupon. It's not like that's the only other thing that I know that people regularly don't unsubscribe from, but they're annoyed by getting. It's mm-hmm. like, ugh, I don't want to get that banana republic, but I might go shopping in the next month, so I'm going to keep the 20% off coupon in my yeah, in my case. email, or I'm going to just keep it. The value that they're providing, like it's no incremental effort on their part to make sure that you do that, mm-hmm. and the value to you is high, and the relationship that they are building, one way or the other twice a month you you see open door as something uniquely personal to you mm-hmm. and your family that's giving you valuable information yeah i don't know why home builders think that email marketing can't be like that yeah i agree i agree and for 
open doors marketing. Like I do and know it's if, personal to him. It that's, is very personal. That's the it has the address in it. Well, that's why I <laughs> want to be spicy here though and say, but what if you just made it more personal from the beginning? Like instead of saying, uh, here's all of the interactive stuff for you. What if we encourage them to create an account earlier in the process? Yeah, and then you're specifically but they were more saying, likely to actually save yeah. something. Yes. So then you could push proactive updates of, hey, yeah. here's how the price home. Imagine, I mean, think about what this chart would yeah. look like if someone had started pricing out a home in 2019. Yeah. And mm -hmm. they had saved it to their favorites and they were getting mm -hmm. a once a month or once a quarter even regular update on the homes you've configured where their prices have trended. Mm -hmm. What would that look like? Crazy. Yeah, that'd be fun. And I try to pull back the old yourself, emails, but I deleted them. But yeah, it, you'll be would thinking you think I should have like, bought it back in 20 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it it could create this urgency where I'm like, well, for me, like as far as their market goes, like I know now know like if my mother or uncle, you know, her kids are like, hey, we're thinking about listing, what realtor should we go with? Because we, we know some great realtors down here. I'm like, well, open door is another option. They want the house as is. Most realtors would say, you got to replace the carpet. We need to paint. We need to do this. You're going to spend 20 grand to list it and then 6% goes away open door, we'd just be done with it tomorrow or whenever she wants to close, whatever their offer is. I'm not pushing open door or whatever, but like, this seems very attractive to do it. And they've convinced me because it's been month after month after month. So I think that to your point, Kevin, a builder can do the same thing where it's like, well, Oh, we're moving to over use here. A basketball analogy to, for a basketball analogy. They're hanging around the hoop. Like mm. they've now that they're, they've, they're, you, they're sending you the email. You've asked for the information. They're in the driver's seat, even though it's an old school connection technique in email. Mm -hmm. It's like, what's the likelihood that of all those emails that go out, there's a certain percentage every week that are like, yep, now's the time. Let's do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. From email. Yeah. Like I, I've truly, that data I would be so much fun campaigns to see. With well, for sale signs and stuff that, but I think like it's all about the email for open door to me once they have that relationship. I mean, like we could go down the rabbit hole here because online sales could totally do this in a prospecting mass way if they do really good segmentation or if they take mm -hmm. the time to fill out that that information in the profile of right. you know, like the community like, of interest, the county of interest, <laughs> the school district of interest, yes. all the things that almost Important. no one fills out things. ever. And we, that's okay. That's yeah. hey, hey, hey. I, it's don't not, be, no, it's be, not online. It's like getting on my online sales, but, but, but seriously, like, but no if one we, does. salespeople but, don't do it either, but that's what I'm saying. But like, if we took the time to segment out too, we could make it feel very personal to their interest. Same yeah, with marketing. I'm sorry, Jen, but what? Uh, the answer is wrong. We just need <laughs> more leads and traffic. No. That's, that's the answer. Point now. I can't no. believe you're going after like Kevin. higher quality conversion. Just more. I know. I know it's a crazy <laughs> notion, isn't it? <laughs> the thousand leads from the past three or four months. We don't need those anymore. There's no sales in there whatsoever. Yeah. Ooh, there definitely yeah. are. Uh -huh. um, no, I think, I think that's that, that relationship. I just keep thinking every time you say open door, I think of the word ongoing relationship because I think that's what they're doing with their customers. And they even said that back when they were losing all a bunch of money. They're like, well, why are you still buying these homes? Right? Because we promised the customers we would. Hmm. Because the, you know, from from a brand reputation standpoint, they, they didn't want to be known as the company that reneged, mm -hmm. just because the market got tough. And I right. think um, oh, I there's just that. a whole lot there about home builders. Not the the other thing. I had a conversation with someone at breakfast this morning, 
um, who's not from here. So it's not, it wasn't Will Duderstad or, or <laughs> Mark or anyone else who lives in Columbus. Someone who's not from here uh, was in town. And they were like, how come realtor participation is still so high? And I, you know, it's early. Maybe I was grumpy. My eyes were probably puffy still from staying up too late last night. Sure that and I just Will shot you were back. talking to? It was not Will. <laughs> it was not Will. I love Will. you, Will. Um, Why is your participation Or still? Carly or, or any, yeah. <laughs> the, um, the thing that I shot back with right away is because we don't want to talk to people until they're this close to buying. You think about realtors and how often, like, if you sneeze a different way, they're like, hey, would you like to be represented on a new home purchase or a home purchase? Or like, can I help you? Or I just want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. Like, how can we be friends? And uh, yeah, that's my logo on your kid's yeah. soccer jersey. Like, I don't know. Do you think builders real- don't do that? They really we really don't do that as an industry. And, and I'll tell you how I know that is because if someone walked into a model home or called in today and said, I'm thinking about moving in the next two to three years. What is the experience that they're likely to get? And how many of those people are put into the CRM? <laughs> Chick-fil-A uh, or Burger King? Which one will they And do? I actually, again, I w- it wasn't someone from Open Door, but I thought about Open Door on the same thing. I was like, gosh darn it, if they would have just been put in the CRM mm-hmm. and then nurtured, by default, mm-hmm. if you're yeah. continuing you that conversation, your, your agent co-op rate yeah. would decline. Yeah. Not even win. It's just like the matter of fact of your agent yeah. cooperate would decline because they already have a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And that's right. They wouldn't mm-hmm. think that they need. Yeah. I mean, listen, I was just looking at something because I was doing a realtor, um, how to work with realtors training for our online sales academy. So I just was looking at in 2019, there was 1.2 million inventory homes on the market or something. And then in this, in April, there was like 500,000 or something like, and so, and there's like 1.5 billion, uh, realtors. I mean, not, that's not the real number, but you know what I mean? There's like 4, 4 million, million. it's mm-hmm. something like so crazy. Yeah. Might as well be a billion. But you know, yeah. So they're, they're definitely no fault of theirs. They're looking for opportunity to help people. Let's just say that they're looking for opportunity to help people. So yeah, if they, if they hear a friend go, yeah, I'm thinking about moving. Yeah. They're going to, you know, very, um, have y'all read the book predictable revenue or have seen it? I, I feel like you've mm-hmm. had to see it mm-hmm. essentially have like the stages of your pipeline. Um, Kevin, what I take from that. And so each pipeline you want to have, have X value in deals is very like software mm-hmm. as a service. I think Salesforce is the one who pioneered this pipeline. So each step has to have a certain value, hundred million, 50 million, whatever it is to me, what I hear from you, Kevin is like, there's this whole other pipeline stage that is being ignored that realtors own because they realize, Hey, I'm going to meet Andrew. He's 27, but when he turns 30, he's going to buy this house for X, Y, Z. And my commission's that. So if I have a hundred people that fit that criteria in three years, they could buy a home, maybe 12 buy a home that year in 2020, I now have 12 deals that will fall through that will come through to me. But had I not had that stage, my pipeline, those people will not be there. The ones that have been doing Mm -hmm. it long enough to realize like it is a very long-term game of having sales, consistent sales all the time. And like you said, the, the realtors I know that are always getting deals, they know everybody. Like they literally know everybody. They're always connecting. And and everybody knows them. At some point there is a tipping point of everybody knows them too. 
but they start out by knowing everybody. Yep. I mean, do you, I still get, I still get postcards in the mail from my realtor with here's the local events. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like um, old school. You're like, this is a waste of time. I know, but, like, but I actually like the, it reminds well, even better. I mean, again, <laughs> yeah. uh, he needs, we need to have you back on the program, Sean. Um, yeah, he knows he all does, about this. He does, he does realtor training all around the country now. And, but he, he sends out, I think it's five personal letters every day and we got ours. And it's great. It was a handwritten card with a little um, uh, uh, Sean GPT business card in there. Like, I'll help you. You know, it was, it was cute in the, oh, in the good cute. way. And my wife is like, oh, he's such a great friend. Like, he really likes you, doesn't he? And I was like, yes. And he does this <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> like, that's, that's the unique part is mm-hmm. the answer is yes. But also he's created that habit. And mm-hmm. he's playing the long game. And so you're right. It's just like that part does not exist. Now, the antithesis, though, of that is that that should mean the law of big numbers would work for builders, and it doesn't. And by that, I mean, if you got 500,000 contacts in Q1, there is no way to predict how many of those people are going to purchase like there is in other industries. Right. When, because to get that many contacts as a builder, unless you're, you know, in the top five, six, you're doing something that is not correct in terms of targeting. Like you're just, it'd be like, Hey, I'm going to sponsor the major league soccer team and everyone who ever buys a ticket for the next two years becomes a contact in my CRM. Like, yeah, that's, that's just the other part of what we're saying. So people don't get confused. We're not saying just add as many people, but all I'm telling you is everyone who pays attention to you the way that you're marketing now if we just paid attention to all those people got them in the system and then created a relationship that would be enough i don't think we have to go to that extent of like you know what's the thing in the mall like you just stick a a pad of uh, reg cards on a table and say like prize drawing for 500 bucks and see how many entries like yeah well it just it's not just a pure numbers goes back to what we just said 10 minutes ago um, manage what you have better. Yeah. Nurture what you have That's better. True. Nurture. Have the right emails That's right. that are personalized yeah. to the right person. And you better do that in particular we... because from home builder data, you know, really since interest rates went back up close to seven, right around Mother's Day, website activity is down 10 to 15% and lead volume right there with it. Now it, it looks like it might be peaking up since Memorial Day, which would be great. But that type of a drop is steep enough in a short period of time where the difference between going to the builder 100 conference at the beginning of may right after Mm -hmm. april the happiest group of people i've ever seen in my life to pcbc last week where people are like i mean the year's been pretty good but what just happened in may Mm -hmm. like everyone was like uh feeling a little bit slow again what's going on um a lot, lot more uncertainty and it's because of that change relatively i mean it's still a big percentage anything to me over 10 percent is a big percentage change but in such a short period of time it's like whew, it's like yeah. something yeah. something adjusted so you better that's definitely love what we're, you have exactly that's what we're hearing across the board yep yep, mm-hmm. yep. um all right what was your uh, story time to, <laughs> well we we Here's, we always do this. We always now that we're well, now that we're a video show as much as audio. Oh um, man, expectations. I just 
So at this, <laughs> there's this, robot. I'll show a couple of slides, but you can't like, we talked about some things that didn't quite work that builders thought would be amazing trends Clubhouse, uh, and just how hard it is to predict what the next trend is. And this is kind of in the context of AI and, and what everyone's excited about. And here's my, my other hot take is that I think marketing automation, which is what this little guy is meant to represent, um, is the single biggest cause of leads going stale or being mismanaged of anything. Hmm. Well, I'll say that again. It, yeah, explain. The use of, of marketing automation or the, or the incorrect use of marketing automation is the single biggest cause of leads being improperly managed and connected with. And Jen's not in your head, but what I mean is like the builder that I went to visit uh, I don't know, four and a half years ago, who had over 2000 leads from Zillow sitting in, a, in an inbox that they forgot existed. You know, they were like, we don't wow. get much from Zillow. And I was like, that's interesting. You're pretty big. You're spending a lot of money. Can you ask Zillow where all the leads are going? And, and Zillow's like, yeah, we're sending them here. They're like, we don't know where that is. Because there's a this thing that happens inbox. with automation yeah. where you assume you've built the machine and now it just runs. And if it was a physical machine in front of us, we'd be like, the printer hasn't put out any paper recently. Something's up. There's just something psychological about human beings. Mm -hmm. We don't inspect the automation that's been put in place often enough to catch things. And it only takes like a week of it not going right to lose out on a whole lot of opportunity. And the ironic part here uh, uh, to kind of finish out is that the the google search term of where to meet people in the united states has never been higher now whether that's related to dating i mean who but the mere fact that humans want to find other human beings it just should be like hitting us over the head with a two by four of like why why must we automate and i go back to spencer raskoff who co-founded zillow was like yeah, like even the coolest chatbot ever. I don't think I'd do that. Like it's the biggest purchase of someone's life. Is it really that hard to put something in place where a human can be there to provide value? Well, you know, you're so, preaching to the choir over here. Mm-hmm. Because I know. that is that is a big, big uh, missed opportunity. And, and But I think I, the, the thing that I want you to add to the choir here, Jen, is that I think some online salespeople are actually like unconsciously making this worse. Hmm. Uh, Like, give me an example. Like they're almost saying still kind of that remnant of the last three years of like, my job is to push people through the process, not add humanity. Oh, Uh, okay. Not not build certainty and trust and relationship. It's just to move them on through. Okay. So yes, so it's like a really, uh, like it's like a human version of marketing automation, but you're still doing this automated rote thing. So, okay. This is, this is definitely some pandemic hangover stuff that's happening for sure. And I like to think of it like we got into this rut of being like the 411 center, basically like when you call a 411, what is it? It's somebody going, okay, here's the information. Okay, thanks, right? And you just kind of give the information, move them through versus being like a human-centered 911 center where when you call 911, what happens? 
The person's going to ask you. It's totally customer centric. That's how our messaging needs to be. That's how our online sales specialist needs to be customer centric versus company centric. Like if if 411 is like company centric info dump, Oh, you want an appointment? Okay. Like, but we're not taking the time to build that human connection and even ask the why we got to be questioners. We got to be, we got to be questioners and find out a little bit more and be more comp, more uh, consumers focused. So yes, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it just, and that, and I think part of that is because, uh, it's not in anyone's nature to be like, I think I need a teammate who might, you know, take some of my yeah. income in the scary sense away from me. Or like, it's just this, I can, I can do it. I mean, we've had situations, right, Jen, where you have a uh, online sales team where there's three people and then you got two or three people yeah. and then you go to one for different reasons and maternity mm-hmm. leave, people quit, get fired, mm-hmm. whatever. And then it's that one person as good as they are like, it's just not in anyone's human nature to be like, hey, I know my numbers are within the achievable ratios, but I feel like I'm not treating people the with the full experience that I could be. Yeah, absolutely. There's, yeah. There's and I think lot. that's why we have managers and leaders, hopefully, who are like yeah. tapping those people on the shoulders and like, hey, I want you, I want to elevate what you're doing to another level. I want Here, to help here's you what that. I will, here's what I can say with 100% confidence is that I've never seen in any situation where you add a teammate and your opportunity and your income goes down. If anything, it goes up and you have better conversions and you have, and you have a better customer experience and you have better numbers and appointments and sales because you're able to truly go further. Like we're talking about in the process. So if anybody's listening, that is worried about that. I have never seen it happen where it goes the other way. We need to quote that print this out. Seriously. It it just doesn't. That's, is that the ultimate fear? That is, I mean, listen, I can say like it cause that was me. Oh, sales, I, right? I'm, I want to be in control. This is my program. I want all the leads. I want to make all the money. Right. And so, but that is the wrong way to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's the main concern is like, oh, if I have less leads, then I'm going to make less money and I'm going to, my opportunity is going to, you know, and that's, Far, so far from the truth. I've seen it. Awesome. I've seen it happen. Yeah. yeah over and over nice. and over again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> even when the, even when the existing lead volume is not that great. That's what I'm saying. Like I'd rather somebody managing 150 leads really well than 250 leads kind of sort of. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, Makes you sense. know, yeah. Nah, just <laughs> turn on an AI system. Turn on an AI system. But like to Not your point, be. yeah, I get excited when you want to talk about this, Kevin, because what we what I've also seen too is that some companies are are trying to do trying to still do this automation again, and it's like a set it and forget it mentality on some of this stuff, mm-hmm. and the messaging is very company centric. And it's like, stop, because listen, the person can look at the website and get all of that information that you're, yeah. and and that's why they don't read the emails to your, our first point is like, it's very personal 
to Andrew. That's why he opens yeah. those. And if it was an email about how great Open Door was, I'd be like, forget this place. I was going to say something else, but I'm like, forget this place. You know? Yeah. And what's funny is I could probably go through my email. Let's see if I can without wasting a lot of time. They don't send me that many, and I'm I open them all the time. So I'm doing these, you know, triggers that would then indicate for some of the marketers that are huge fans of automation, like, oh, I need to get more detailed emails and all this huge yeah. build out. And they have this like, it's almost like they romanticize, I'm talking about the marketers now with automation, this giant flow chart and process where they could take that screenshot, they throw it on Twitter, they throw it on Instagram, LinkedIn, and they're like, look at this thing I've built. And that's what they're showing off is like the complexity of email one, if this, else that. It's like this if else statement of mm -hmm. here's all this, here's 50 emails that happen. And then they present that to their management. They're like, wow, this person knows what they're talking about. Meanwhile, open doors over here, if I could get it. I have three different variations of the offer. They really just push this offer, new cash offer, new offer, your offers increase, oh, the subject changes and that's it. Everything else is the same. Updated offer, offers increase, new cash offer, new offer. Yeah. So that's four, but they're all and the same. Can you imagine how terrible it would be if they tried to insert some other fake like paragraph of like, like we love we homes know how in three, hard three, the seven, market seven, is seven. right now, Andrew. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Blah blah blah. It's like no, just tell me the dang number. Yeah. What's the number? Right. Yeah. That's yeah all exactly. That's all I care about. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's uh, like you. You could. You could create. And this is. Yeah, we we, we have to move on, but I know. We'll, we'll just end with this one. <laughs> that's what happens. Some someone relocating from another state. I, okay, so yes, you might know that they're they're a lead that came in from another state, and therefore we're going to create this other sequence. Are they happy that they're moving from the other state or are they sad? Are they mad? Don't you don't know. You have no clue. So what are you going to do? Say, Hey, Texas is a fantastic place. You're going to love it here. And they're like, I yeah. lived here before. I hate it, but I have to move back to my, live with my right. parents. That's right. Like, yeah. Like I, I clearly remember meeting someone for the first time at an industry event. And, um, it, it, it was, uh, a gal and I introduced myself said hello and, and I was just trying to get to know her better. I was like, so where, where, where do you live? And she was like, I live in Florida. And I was like, oh, great. You know, like Andrew lives in Florida. I think I started making small talk and, and all of a sudden she got teary and uh, she's like, I used to live over here. I had to move back to Florida cause I got a divorce and I don't want to talk about this. Thanks. And then she left. I'm like, everyone was like, Kevin, Crap. you really know how to piss people off. I'm like, I just asked where she lived. No. You know, like, she's on like, vacation all the time. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah, you never know. That happens. That we, we have to better understand the context mm -hmm. that people are coming from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Good point. We, we all agree. Beat, so we beat that one. We beat that <laughs> one it. to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> On to the news. Oh, uh, first up from uh, Bryce Baker on the Do You Convert blog. Woo! The ideal URL structure for a new home builder's website. Uh, we give examples. We also have a tool which... Um, I think we'll put that in all access for everyone to use. Yeah. Uh, it probably needs a quick update because we, we built it like six years ago because people really had a hard time getting their developers to understand the ideal way to do this. Um, but Bryce does a really good job of breaking down the what, but also the why. Uh, both parts mm. are important. Mm. And there's even a bonus one here. Um, so. A few of the benefits of having a strategic path, uh, user experience, 
right? So they can more clearly identify where they are and, and know the path that they're on. Helps with SEO. So the engines understand where the content is in, in path and, and where how it's nested. Easy sharing and bookmarking, functional landing pages. And the other one is like actually being able to do useful reports and automation. Like yeah. to whatever extent you are doing advertising automation or reporting automation, if you don't have a good URL structure, good luck. Andrew, what else you want to add? I agree. The reporting one is very understated. Um, making tons of Looker Studio reports or Data Studio reports, that saves so much time. The capabilities, if your, your URL structure is consistent, if it has, like if you read the article from Bryce, who like, oh, wow, that looks so simple. Like you could do so many things in here. Like looking at the first URL, it's builder.com slash new homes slash Texas slash Dallas slash the community name. Well, now we could have very easily a report uh, dashboard for Dallas. We could have one just for Texas. We could have one just for the community name. If we get nerdy, we could do regular expressions to make it this way or that way. It yep. just opens up the possibility versus if it's all over the place, like good luck, you're not going to. And with GA4, you know, we're, we're a month out from that. Well, exciting. Like data studio. You guys talk studio. about this. It's like, it's like the, it's like the teacher. All I heard was liquor something. Liquor. Like, I, as a sales it's a terrible person, name, like, right? Liquor, liquor studio. Liquor. Like, what? Liquor. Where, like L-I-Q-U. We're drinking? That? Liquor, liquor, liquor. It's a terrible uh, name. It was like when, um, what's that lead center with call rail, all the markers. That, like, by the way, oh. by, by the way, Jen, when, when you all start talking about feelings, that's what we do over here. Yeah. It's like, are like, aren't we working? Whatever. Why are we talking about okay. feelings? We'll be back. Feelings at home, not at work. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? Oh, just kidding. Just so kidding. No, check it out. Read it. Yeah. Even if you don't, aren't change anything, I think just, you need to understand these things. And so it's just building the okay. depth of your knowledge. <laughs> Jen, you're, you are my favorite too, because, uh, you, so we, I, we've done this forever since we've done the market proof Academy events. We, we give yeah. people the opportunity to take and pass exams in order to get certification mm -hmm. and people are always terrified to do it. And the, this one, uh, attendee, um, posted on LinkedIn that she had passed all of them. And so I reshared it on LinkedIn. I was like, Hey, congratulations. Good job. It's like, it's one thing to teach people. It's another thing to like, yeah. it's exciting to see people who are, grasping what they've been taught enough that they want to go take an exam. Like just the idea of an adult yeah. of their own free will yeah. choosing mm -hmm. to take an exam is pr pretty fun. And I had a whole bunch of people, many of them sales managers and salespeople or salespeople for um, organizations that sell uh, technology to home builders. And they're like, we want to take this. And it made me think maybe we're missing out on an idea here of is part of the bridge between sales and marketing creating something, Andrew, that is yeah. like a marketing academy light that basically says, in order for you to hang like the little cat on the on the branch in the motivational poster, yeah. mm -hmm. to not just feel like you're listening to Charlie Brown's parents, should there be like an accelerated course of just the very basics? Yes. That you okay. and your marketer, if you're a sales manager or head of online sales or a sales online salesperson, yes. can at least, you know, it's like the English to Spanish equivalent of like, know how to say thank you, hello, and where's the bathroom? Yeah. Yes. Quick conversation. Yes. Survival. So, yeah. It's so great that you're bringing this up because we were just talking about there's, there's these core things in our industry. 
how to build a home, how to market a home, how to sell a home, basically. Like, so you look about, think about the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And we should all have knowledge in each of those things to be sure. as confident yes. and confident. Over time, and, like start with your own area right. of responsibility. Yeah, start with your, right, that's what I'm saying. Start with your own mm-hmm. area. But like a marketer understanding online sales or the selling lingo and the, the sales, you know, online sales, understanding marketing terminology, understanding what a landing page is, what, you know, like these basic things. Online sales, understanding the basic construction terminology so that they can yeah. feel confident to be able to, if somebody asks them something about, you know, a setback or, you know, like just easy things like that. And so that is something that we were just talking about with our team on creating. And I was even going to say, I was like, yeah, I'm going to have somebody from mar- our marketing team on online people talking to talk about this very thing. So go. nice. Let's put, yeah. uh, let's put Beth on there. <laughs> I sign up, Beth. Beth, are you listening? You're, yeah. on, you're going on. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I, I, well, because I, two of the people were like VPs of sales and you would know their mm-hmm. names, by the way, but they were like certification in marketing. Like, how do I, how do I sign up for that? And, and my first reaction was like, huh, I don't know if we want you to show up to this class <laughs> or if you would like make it all the way through. It'd be like the freshman year of college where like huge dropout rates of like, whoa, I yeah. thought I was signing. But if we made a, yeah. uh, like accelerated version, yeah. I think there's something to that. I, we yeah. got really distracted. We there. are so, let's get back to the news. So off to news. Of a topic. Pre-sale. Pre-sales but say what this part is, two. Hey, but this is where we jive together y'all is pre-sale well, I, talk. Right, you don't check. Uh, no, out I was actually this. wondering, Jen, since like you're like, Jesse's boss in a way, like, <laughs> is this all leading up to like we haven't done a webinar at Do You Convert in probably three years? Are we leading? Is this all content leading up? I mean, to I think so. Online sales and marketing so. people from Do You Convert getting on a webinar talking about presale without failing. Well, like you, Kevin, that this is one of the biggest. Like this topic always comes up. Like uh, people always want more education around this topic. Samesies, you know, samesies. So it's, it's always like, Hey, like I'm still confused about what I'm supposed to do. Right. Like, and so we've got tons of resources. We've got a playbook, this blog that Jesse wrote, definitely check it out because she walks through, it's a two-parter. It's like the first part is like setting up your list. And that's kind of the biggest change we've seen in online sales is we can't just treat an interest list as just this one big interest list. We almost have to segment our interest list out to mm-hmm. get the best results. Just like we talk about segmenting our database, right. same thing. And so segmentation of the interest list, targeted messaging, prioritizing which list of people to start with first when we can actually set the appointments. So Jesse walks through all of this in the blog. It's super great, super helpful. But yes, I think we need to we need to get together on this and and have a webinar. Yeah, I'd attend. Okay, that, and that's not like a let's pretend <laughs> like we're making this up right now. But it's, it's going to yes. happen. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think we should. We have not done a public come one come all webinar since mm-hmm. 2020 with NAHB, where we had we like had, 1,800 people. Let's say that the playbook. We had the pandemic combos. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what to do? So it's time. Um, so Jessie's taking it upon herself to try to help out the world. In the meantime, she's got a giant eight step 
uh, detailed VIP lead management process graphic that she's created. But what what are some of the highlights here? Uh, yeah, the highlights really. So the biggest thing we get is, you know, OK, I have this list. Now, what do I do? <laughs> so it's really segmenting out, like I was saying, VIP responsive priority and then coming up with a cadence of, OK, at this week, this is what you start doing when you get when you get the go to for it's time to set appointments. We're going to start setting VIP appointments. Now, what do you do? So this blog specifically talks about, OK, take your list. Here's what you do. Here's the cadence. Then you pick up the phone and call. It's not just about email, everybody. You got to you got to hit the phones. So piggybacking on phone and texting and, um, you know, step by step how to do that. So I was going to ask you, Mm -hmm. I don't, this is probably a terrible idea. Um, I think with anything in life you're trying to achieve, there are certain steps that are more important than others, Mm -hmm. but they're also Mm -hmm. more likely the harder ones to do. Mm -hmm. Um, let's pretend I'm marketing, which I am Jen, your online sales. I'm getting leads to you left and right. I'm, I'm a cool person. I'm doing my job. You're monitoring me, hopefully. Well, like we're accountable to each other, right? If you don't do a certain step in here, which one should you do where I should call you out on? Like, if I'm like, what do you mean you're not calling that, people? That's like, you're that's saying the, the marketer should say, hey, the I'm marketer should whoever. question. So it's kind of like two things in one. Like, if marketing's not doing this, then sales should be like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, they didn't do that. They didn't require phone numbers and we have an excessive amount of leads and we're supposed to call those people. Marketing screwed mm. up. So I, I guess what I'm getting at is it's two questions which things should we watch out for as far as like what is crucial? And this is probably better mm-hmm. suited for the webinar, Okay. but also on the process, like maybe step number seven, if you don't do that, you're going to have 50% less success. That's called well, leads to step number seven. Well, here's, like, here's people get lazy first and at, foremost, as a marketer, you should go beyond just how many people do you have on the interest list? Right. That needs yeah. to be, if I say there's how many people do you like, have on the home. interest list? How many of those are engaged and responsive, yes. how many of those have you qualified to the community? Because at some point you should have enough information as you get closer to be able to qualify to that community. So you don't, that, even, you don't even have to wait for that. I mean, that's, if you do a survey, well, like, yes, you know, then, and you're just saying, Hey, uh, what investment range are you looking at in that survey? And then you follow up with my favorite one, two punch of any questionnaire ever at the investment level you listed above, what are the included features you expect? Then you already know what they're telling you. Now there still might be a, a range within there, but yeah, you. the most important thing to me is that responsiveness, like VIP responded most likely, knowing that it's coming from the online sales world means that like you've actually interacted with that person. Yes, so yeah, okay. let me, maybe I should explain that too. It's like VIP is just, all the VIP leads, you know, they're just on the list. VIP responded means you had a conversation and you have basically verified interest. Like this community is going to be six months from now. Is that something that you still might be interested in? Because some people go, oh, no, I thought I was going to be ready in a month. Okay, that's right. So VIP responded, you verified interest. VIP priority means you have an idea of what this person's situation is, Maybe by this point, you know, base pricing, you know, kind of what you're going to be building out there and you're able to say, hey, this is going to be townhome product starting in the, 
800,000s and it's going to be ready in December. Is that, does that kind of fit within what you're thinking? And the person goes, yes, that's absolutely what I'm thinking. That's a VIP priority. So when you get to the point where your marketer or your salesperson says, okay, we're getting ready to set some appointments or have a launch or whatever, you can go ahead and start booking these preview appointments as the OSC, you're going to go to the VIP priority first because you've like engaged you, you know, and so to answer your question, Andrew, go beyond just how many people are on the interest list, really dig deep there and find out those numbers. And then two, make sure that they're not just emailing like, you know, Hmm. online sales. I mean, they get kind of stuck in that. Yeah. Well, I did my email. I was like, okay, well, did you piggyback with phone calls? Did you piggyback with text messages? How many people did you actually talk to after that email went out? So those are yeah, kind the, of the main okay. things. Fun. Yeah. The thing that is nails on a chalkboard to me from sales generally, not just on like all sales, is when you ask someone like, hey, like what do we do? Because usually it's a postmortem, unfortunately. It's like, hey, this part of it didn't work as well as we thought. Yeah. Okay, tell me what we did. We called everybody once and left a voicemail and we sent an email. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And, and then, then what? what? No, then, well, <laughs> then we just figured if they didn't respond, they're not interested and mm-hmm. told you they weren't interested because it's been three months since they signed up and who would wait that long? Right. And, blah, and it's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. We, we, we've run the math. If you do three, four, five attempts, actually the second and third attempt often produce more appointments for that house in the sky, as we call it than the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because not only is it repetition of reaching out, but you're now able to even say like, yeah, I've already scheduled four appointments. And and again, once that momentum starts and that urgency builds, it can snowball, but not if you give up after mm-hmm. one call and one email. Yeah, online sales specialists, they should feel like when, when you have a, a launch like this, it should be almost consuming of their time and focus. Like, yes, they're still managing mm-hmm. new uncom- uncom- new inbound leads. Yes. We don't want that to, to go by the wayside. However, it should be like all hands on deck. The focus is this priority list, this interest list, and we got to get as much engagement and interaction and as many appointments as possible out there. Makes so- sense you should feel it, I guess is what I'm saying. Like it should feel like yeah. it's a lot. It's okay. You know, like that's, that's the one time for these people, especially the responded group. It's okay to send them two emails, uh, yeah. you know, three days apart. Right. Like that's okay. Or yeah. two emails uh, yeah. a day and a half apart. Like, and again, it's because you've promised them that you're going to make sure they know. And if you haven't cut right. through the clutter, you have not fulfilled right. your promise. Right. That was exactly. your promise to them is I will let yeah. you know, you will be made aware. And it's like my daughter, my 13 year old, Sydney, you got to wake up that kid four times if you want her to go to school. <laughs> and it's not the like, you can be like, well, I, I woke you up once. Okay. But she's going to be tardy or she's going to miss the whole day and just sleep like the whole day. <laughs> so like, she sounds fulfill- awesome. <laughs> yeah, she does sound awesome. <laughs> Like a bear um, from the marketing <laughs> side, I think the thing that online salespeople or salespeople should be like, are you serious right now? Is whenever your marketing team says, well, we're not going to promote this or talk about this because we don't know enough yet. Yes. Ding, Forget ding. that. 
build the list. I mean, I don't build curse often, list. but I want to just say build the effing yeah. list. Yeah. It all you have to do is say we're going to build something here. It's going to be single family, multifamily, a master plan community, whatever. Are you interested? And you don't have to communicate or promise anything else to start getting right. an interest list. Yeah. Even when exactly. you're advertising, you don't have to have more information. More information is helpful, but it is not an excuse not to start. And so in today's world, especially knowing that the market conditions are tougher um, to build a sizable interest list in most cases, when someone says, which seems to happen all the time now, you know, we'll get on a call the first week of June and they'll say, we've got three launches coming up. And we're like, great. When are the, when are they? Uh, Mid-July. Awesome. What have we done so far? Um, we've got like 10 people on the list and we're going to add it to our website soon. Oh gosh! Why don't you think too? Let me ask you this: If you have a, if you have a coming soon community that's six months out, let's say, putting something on the website like you're saying with some general information, and then even like the call to action, instead of it being like "call me for information," just be like, "If you want to get updates, yeah, like you're like if you want to get updates, yeah. sign up here." Because that like. That kind of yeah, lessens we used to do the this in the pandemic. It was yes. uh, it was notify me. Right, notify yeah. me exactly. Yeah. Um, the OSC should still listen. Online sales should still be reaching out right away, and trying to connect right away. Don't just put them on the interest list. Connect right away. Talk to them. See where they're at in life, and if they need to be on the interest list, <laughs> and then go from there. But don't just stick them on the interest list to die. Right. Is I like that. Yeah. Don't let them die in the interest. Okay. List. Watch out for the list. webinar to come sometime <laughs> yes, between now and then. And also, it sounds like we just created a session. I mean, we're at just the doing summit all... this year for online sales about like the we're three just... marketing metrics you need to know how to analyze yeah. or look up yourself. Yeah. We're, we're just doing all kinds yeah. of things on this podcast today. <laughs> we're, we're giving we're ourselves all kinds of work. We got a lot of plans here. <laughs> uh, next up from nine to five google.com, Google starts rolling out search generative experience in preview mode. This is not accessible to everyone yet, but it's Google giving a snapshot of how it envisions uh, generative AI being used in search. And so this is what everyone's been like, are they going to disrupt themselves? Are they going to take away the, the ad uh, click model? What's going to happen? And there's some interesting things in there. One that um, they're going to have snapshots. So they're going to try to pull in rich imagery. Uh, as well as static text, um, they are going to let you continue to click through. And I think in a couple instances, it also references that there were um, like ad opportunities in some of them. Yeah, shopping plus ads. For buying related queries, search generative experience will surface factors that you might want to consider and will suggest options that fit the bill complete with generated overviews and uh, Google Shopping Graph overlaid. And, and those, it will also have advertising as well. So. We talked about this, I think, two episodes ago, where yes, you can ask BARD or um, any internet connected AI system to help you shop for houses is generally terrible uh, or unuseful. And even, again, I was talking about this this morning at breakfast with with someone, you know, like, because we were talking about why, why do buyers want a realtor often? It's because of that sense of security that they provide mm -hmm. and like, they're going to help me from making a mistake and they're going to be an advocate for me. They have my back. 
they have your back the whole thing yeah and they do yeah. um so just thinking into the future that everyone thinks we're going to have where you're going to have sally the ai companion and I, as sally knows everything about me she's monitoring me and my current living situation and everything about me and then i'm going to say sally it's time to move uh, and you know everything about me you can look up all the data do you do we think in the next let's just say 10 years we'll put this in the in the time capsule in the next 10 years is there a, a situation where the majority of times if that were to happen that humans would take the one single best answer that the ai recommends and say cool then i don't have to do any research or shopping or visiting i mean this thing knows me better than i know myself not at all we need options like the, the weird thing is like people already want. yeah well and, and also what if what if the result that comes back is an ugly cardboard box and you say, Sally, I don't like those card that cardboard box. Show me other options. And it gives me back four other things that are similar, but also ugly. And I'm like, Sally, I don't understand. Show me something beautiful. Sorry, Kevin, you can only afford cardboard boxes. So that's all I'm going to show you. That's like the, the whole, right. how many times do you aspirationally look at something? And that's what starts you down the path. And then you end up realizing there are realistic constraints. And you start doing trade-offs and shopping and you purchase something that is below what you aspirationally started looking at. Like the reason Zillowing is a verb oh, is not because 100%. everyone's on Zillow trying to find the next house yeah. they're going to move into next week. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Or they, they view the million dollar home that has the amazing primary shower setup that has like 17 shower heads. It's 200 square feet. Mm -hmm. They're like, I didn't realize I really wanted a giant shower. That's my number one thing with the floor plan that is now for a $400,000 house. And that's like in their top three list, but they were motive, they were inspired by the big zillowing ad action that they did. Yeah. Well, just because box. something's cool doesn't create certainty. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And I think also, you know, there there is this paradox of choice effect where having too many choices is bad. Yeah. But at least for certain people who I love very much, um, one of whom whose name is Melanie Oakley, if you just give her one choice, she is not buying it. I don't care what it is exactly. like one choice. No. Yeah. Right. Two choices. You want Maybe. options, Maybe. but yeah. not too many to confuse you. Yeah. So someone would say, well, then the AI is just going to do that. But I think then at, at that point, I guess what I, I'm hearing people starting to kind of hint at that marketers and advertisers are going to be screwed because there's going to very quickly become this like, one thing that provides the magical answer that will cut out all advertising impact. And I don't, right now, I don't know that I agree with yeah, that. I don't agree. Thought process. All right, last up. And then we're not even going to do favorites today because we're way, <laughs> way over. Good job. Half of this episode is going to be edited <laughs> out probably. <laughs> Talk too much. Redfin, I like from uh, from Redfin News. Investor home purchases fell a record forty nine percent year over year in the first quarter, uh, and so the chart here um, that we're looking at shows the growth or decline in investor purchased properties. And uh, no surprise, it got up to skyscraper levels in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, but it's mm -hmm. since declined forty nine percent, and also. 
we don't have it teed up, but I think it was a John Burns report that said that one out of every five homes that were flipped in the first quarter of 2023 lost money. So there, I think those are kind of correlated of yeah. if in terms of the flippers are saying, wow, I, I'm not going to purchase another house to flip just yet. I'm going to wait and see what happens. But also it just has to do with the fact that like the readily available home to purchase to turn into an investment is not as easy to find. Like I still That's get what those I was gonna calls. Say. Do, you, do you two get those robocalls of like, we'd like to buy the house that oh, you sold every week? Yeah. Every week I get somebody awesome. reaching out about my current home, a house I already sold, the wetlands next door to me. Hey, we could build on that. Agreed. Maybe. Yeah. I always cautious any marketer, like a report or communicating about any, yeah. anything with a single metric. In this case, it fell a record 49% year over year. Like you need other metrics to put that into context. Um, like you said, Kevin, there's less homes available. If they were still here, maybe mm -hmm. that's 49, it's actually 24 or 25%. Yeah. Then we yeah. need yeah, the other helpful investor. Like what does investor mean? Mm -hmm. sure the other helpful connection here page. is you'll see those headlines about mortgage rate um, interest has dropped dramatically. Mm -hmm. And they always correlate that to, oh my gosh, the interest rates are, you know, one fifteenth of a percent higher. And there's this dramatic drop in mortgage interest. Also, there's less homes available on the market. Like there's less to be purchased. Mm -hmm. You're starting to hear more about bidding wars. 60% of home builders right now are raising their prices. Yeah. Which I think might be the wrong time to be raising your prices. That's yeah. just my two cents. Don't I do think that. We're heading into <laughs> I don't think the summer doldrums. Yeah, but my two cents you know. is, yeah, don't do that. I don't know. What do I know? Eh. All right. Well, that was fun. Always a good time Always. when when you show up, Jen. Thanks. Uh, check out online people talking if you haven't. Also on YouTube, yes. you can watch those uh, videos. You can go to doconvert.com as well. We'll see y'all next week. Thanks, guys. See y'all. See Bye. you. Bye. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Market Proof Marketing. Can't wait for the next one. Or looking to connect with other new home marketers? Become a member of our private community, DYC All Access which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else, access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.doyouconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peake, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.